Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about is how to eat for pleasure. What a strange topic to talk about when it comes to weight loss, but you've got to learn to eat for pleasure because you're always going to eat for pleasure. To pretend that your weight loss is going to revolve around some moment in time when you decide that I'm never going to eat for pleasure again. I'm, I'm always going to restrict myself and never eat foods I enjoy or overeat or eat fattening foods. I'm never going to do that again. That's how I'm going to control my weight. That's never going to happen. And so you're better off focusing on how can I eat for pleasure and control my weight? Because it's possible, but you haven't been thinking about that. You're thinking I can't eat for pleasure if I want to lose weight. And that's not true. Okay, so how do you eat for pleasure? That's the secret. So the first question is, how can you get the most pleasure out of food? And I will suggest that ultimately, and the pinnacle of all, all things taken into account, the most pleasure you can get from food is when you eat your favorite food at your goal weight when you're in control of your eating habits and your lifestyle. Okay, so that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate pleasure that I think you'll ever get out of food. The ultimate pleasure from food is not from binging on it. Do you ever feel good physically, mentally, emotionally when you binge on any food? Probably not. So you got to stop thinking that that's the most pleasurable way to eat food is just eat all of it because it's really not. It doesn't feel that great. So you need to get a much more nuanced idea of what pleasurable, pleasurable eating for food is. That's different for each person. But for you, what's the pleasure? Is <laughs> it sit, sit in a bathtub of ice cream just eating all of it? Like, like that, that can't be it. It feels gluttonous. It's gross. It's a gross feeling. Okay? So I want you to realize you don't just want to eat everything to get the most pleasure out of food. The real pleasure you can get out of food is a holistic experience where, yes, you're enjoying the hell out of the flavors of it and the taste of it and the smells and all that sensual, um, sensual aspect of it. But you're also getting the piece of it where there's no emotional baggage, right? So you're eating the ice cream and you're truly enjoying it because you're not worrying about what's doing to your weight. You know, you're not worried about what's doing to your health and all the rest of it. So that's the ultimate goal. But how do you get there right now, right? You know I mean? Now be at your goal weight. Well, the secret is you need to have times when you're eating clean to lose weight. And I would suggest that you have some times weekly where you allow yourself to eat for pleasure, now, I know the first thought that comes in your head is, well, if I eat for pleasure, I'm going to ruin all my weight loss for the week. That's not true if you don't go absolutely bonkers on the days you eat for pleasure or the times you eat for pleasure. And I think what you'll realize is, again, there's a higher pleasure when we don't pig out, when we don't eat everything, when we don't binge. There's a sweet spot where we enjoy the food and we made it a little more, that we get a little full, but we don't have to go all the way to binge. And if you moderate your eating so that the majority of it is clean eating, that's going to help you get to your goal weight, <clears throat> and there's a little bit of pleasure eating, this is how we start to balance a real long-term plan to mastering your weight. Because again, this idea that you have in the back of your head that there's going to be one magical day where you never eat for pleasure again, you have to understand you never want to experience that. Never ever do you want to not eat for pleasure ever again. But that's what you're telling yourself when you go on a diet. So the alternative to that is that you learn how to have clean days most of the week and you have a, a day or two where you eat for pleasure and you learn how to eat for pleasure because you do not know how to eat for pleasure. Because you never allow yourself to eat for pleasure, when you do eat for pleasure, you go way overboard. And so what I'm telling you is that you, even though that's been your experience, I know you don't believe it, you can actually eat for pleasure in a much more moderated way. And I think you're going to find that that moderated way actually creates more pleasure because when you can eat pleasurably moderately, now you can look forward to it. 
Now you can eat for pleasure and it doesn't completely blow everything. What happens is you get to enjoy the food and you get to enjoy the food initially knowing, damn, I had a good week, look at me. And now I can enjoy some food and then I'll get right back on track again. And this way of being is really nice. It feels a lot more manageable and sustainable than the idea that I'm gonna never gonna eat for pleasure again. That's what I'm gonna do. I wanna lose weight so I can never eat anything I like. That's not gonna work. It hasn't worked. It's never going to work, okay? So you need another another plan. <laughs> Here's a suggestion. That's the suggestion for you. If you wanna do it some way else, go ahead. But there's no way in the world that there's ever gonna be a moment when you say, you know what? I'm never gonna eat for pleasure again because I wanna lose the weight. You, you just, you don't want to do that. And so you're going to have to learn to think less black and white and more gray. You have to stop being so all or nothing with your strategy and start being all or something, having some flexibility and start considering the idea that you start planning to have clean days and pleasure days and realizing that you need to learn how to eat for pleasure in order to master your weight. So I hope this helps you out. Uh, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. <clears throat> My voice going weird here, but I'm going to power through. It's okay. Um, what's up, Karen? Got you all set up again. I don't know if you saw my email, so you should be all set up in the program, getting those things again. So you got to put that code in though. Okay. So I can't see if you do that. So make sure you do that and then you should, everything should be all set. Um, Paula says, when I pay attention, sometimes my pleasure foods are not even tasty. Paula, absolutely. That That's absolutely true. Um, and that's just another piece that people don't really consider. You know, sometimes, again, you have to understand folks, this is, it's called the, um, what the hell effect or counter-regulatory effect. And basically it's this, that when we really restrict our eating and we don't allow ourselves to eat certain foods, when all of a sudden we start eating some of them, they say, oh, I can't, eat any, I can't have any carbs. And then you eat a little bit of carbs and now you eat all the carbs, okay? And so we're so in this idea that the food is so great and so delicious, we wanna eat all of it, but we gotta stop ourselves that we don't realize that if you just cut that shit out, calm down, relax, become more mindful, Go ahead and eat those foods, eat, but eat them in an aware state of mind, like a gourmet. Slow down your eating, taste the food. A lot of the foods you think are so amazing when you actually slow down and become more mindful and really connect to the experience, the sensations of eating them, you're gonna find they're not as enjoyable as you thought they were. This is extremely common. Now some things are, but I, I, you're gonna find a lot of the things you thought were so amazing when you actually kind of step into it and actually, okay, let me experience this. Because a lot of times what you're doing is you're eating mindlessly because you feel guilty about what you're doing. So you're not even present. You're just shoveling it in your mouth and you're not aware of what, what's going on here. What's the texture? What's the flavor? What's the smell? How does it make me feel? And when you start paying attention to that, a lot of times you says, you know what? This really isn't that great. And that's a wonderful place to be because now you start to feel some indifference to that food and now you have more control over it and you're seeing it more accurately. So that's a great point, Paul, and I, I agree a thousand percent. I, I've had that experience. What's up, Don? Happy Friday to you. Yes, <laughs> Friday feels so great, and this one is no different. I love Fridays, and this is a great Friday. Um, Lumi says, I always eat for pleasure. Great. If you're able to always eat for pleasure and master your weight, super duper. Um, Max says, love you, King. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm down 45 pounds. Super, super. So so Lumi here, um, and I love that too, right? Because what, what, what Lumi's doing is, is reframing what pleasure is, I'm going to assume. And so, you know, the, again, the ultimate pleasure you can get out of food is when you're eating it at your goal weight, when you're in control of your eating and your health and your happiness. That's, that's the highest pleasure. To binge on food when you feel completely out of control with your eating, your weight, your health is not really pleasure. You, you got to recognize that distinction. 
and start aiming towards the truest pleasure you can have. Because pleasure is the most motivating thing, right? Pain, pain is a huge motivator, no doubt about it, but it's not a good motivator to stick in pain when it comes to weight loss because your brain is a pleasure-seeking mechanism. And this is why you're struggling to lose weight in the first place. You know you don't wanna eat the food, but your brain wants the pleasure of the food. And so what you try and do is you always try and restrict the pleasure in order to lose weight. And it never lasts because your brain wants pleasure. And if it doesn't get pleasure, it starts to say, what's the point? What are we even doing here? This sucks. And so what we need to do is we need to reframe this process, not one of like, you're gonna have less pleasure, but that you're going to have more pleasure. And the more pleasure is that you can still eat the foods you love, but you eat them differently and you get to enjoy them even more. You don't eat as much of them. So I'm gonna imagine Lumi is always eating for pleasure, but Lumi probably reduced the calories that they're consuming. You know what I mean? So, so I love that. That's a beautiful reframe. I, I do this all the time. You, you eat, eat what you want to eat. What do you want to eat? Right? And people's initials, I want to eat everything. I want to eat ice cream, I want to eat cakes, cookies, blah, 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 blah. I know you want to eat that because you, you know, it'll taste good. But do you want to eat that way when you look at the big picture? Do you want to get the consequences of eating that way? We got to look at the consequences, you know? So do you really want to overeat ice cream and, and bullshit all the time so that you're, you know, 80 pounds overweight? Is that what you want? No. Okay, so what do you want? I want to be able to eat those foods and I want to be able to control my weight. Great. So what you really want is to be able to eat the pleasure foods in a way where you're able to also master your weight. And you can do this, folks. You're, you have never considered this because the diet's always got you thinking black or white. And so you're just like, well, I can either eat the foods I like and be overweight, or I can't eat any of the foods I like, and then I can lose weight. And you, you're thinking in this very black and white way that um, your brain hates. And what your brain says is, screw it. I, I, I want to feel good in, in the foods what feels good. I don't want to feel deprived because that's how you're thinking about it, though. It's not actually true. So I'm glad you said that, Lumi, because you can absolutely eat for pleasure and lose weight. I'm telling you that. Lumi's telling you that. It's really true. Um, Karen's, I'm all set up. Very good, very good. So you'll start getting all those things. Yeah, Lumi says yes and yes. So I love that, Lumi, because you've reframed things. You know? Um, Yolanda says, love it, we'll try. Yeah, give it a shot. You got nothing to lose. <laughs> right? Good Lord. Um, Dervet says, plateau three weeks, no change. Is it a mental thing? Um, not necessarily. It could be any number of things. Here's the thing, though. When it comes to plateaus, the first thing we want to do is approach it mentally, mindset-wise. And what I would suggest, again, as a dieter, people are always just looking for that straight line of success. And as soon as we hit a speed bump in that or a plateau, we start getting real shaky, you know? So we want to understand that plateaus are completely normal and natural. Uh, and you want to think of the plateau as an opportunity to practice your maintenance plan, okay? And so, because again, remember, you know, we're really looking to get to the ultimate plateau here. And you've got to take into account that the biggest motivational challenge you have to deal with as a dieter is that what you're usually doing is you're trading the pleasure of the food for the pleasure of the scale going down. And so it's estimated 95% of dieters put the weight back on ultimately. And I think a lot of it comes down to this because I think they lose the weight. And now there's nothing to look forward to. There's not really any pleasure. So when we get to a plateau, what I suggest is you realize, okay, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to maintain what I was doing. Like I'm going to keep doing the same stuff, but I'm going to optimize it. What do I mean by that? Because again, when people get into plateaus, the first, I got to cut more calories. No, no, relax. Maybe it's your body just adjusting. And then if you stick with it, you'll start losing weight a couple weeks later. Or maybe you do have to cut something out, but you don't know at first. And so when you get into a plateau, what I suggest is you keep doing the same things you're doing, but optimize them. And by optimize, what I mean is make them easier. 
right? So if you've changed how you're eating, make how you're, make your, your, I always call it logistics, right? Make getting the food easier, make preparing the food easier, um, make it easier to eat those foods, optimize it, make them better, right? Tweak out, you know, make it, make them taste better, make them easier to make. So you do the same things you've been doing, but you optimize the process you've been doing so that it's easier, more enjoyable for you. And then stick with the same thing you're doing. Because again, you may find after three weeks, all of a sudden your body just kind of reshifts and you start losing weight again. Or you may find four weeks out, well, I'm not losing any weight, but now you can look at what you've been doing. And now strategically, you can say, okay, where would be the easiest place to cut some more calories out? But now you've got a stable foundation and you can make that decision. If you start hitting a plateau and after a week or two, you start freaking out and then you're like, oh, I got to cut more calories. You never have this firm foundation under you. So the plateau is a real gift and utilize it because it's an opportunity to practice your maintenance. And again, maintenance comes down to really optimizing what you're doing, not cutting more calories, optimizing what you're doing so it becomes easier and more enjoyable. So, so I hope that helps you out. Um, <clears throat> Astrid says, hey, I'm feeling much better than yesterday. Astrid, I want you to remember that too, okay? Um, I, I think, you know, I, I remind myself of that so much when I get depressed. You know, like, like when I start getting depressed, I let myself feel it. And I, now again, I don't, I don't, <clears throat> oh my voice, I'm driving me nuts here. Um, I don't suffer from like, like clinical severe depression. So I want to make that, that statement. Um, but, you know, I get depressed, I suppose, like anyone else, you know? And um, when I do, a lot of times what I do is I'll let myself experience it and I'll remember I have felt this way many times and as bad as it may feel, <laughs> thanks Valley, as bad as the depression may feel in that moment, I remind myself I've felt this before and, and it's going to pass. Okay. And just, I'm just going to feel it. A lot of times I just go to sleep. <laughs> I just go to bed. Um, but you know, I don't freak out about it. I just let it go. And I know Astra wasn't feeling great yesterday, but you just, you just wrote it out. You didn't freak out about it. You just kind of wrote it out and then you wake up today and you feel better. And I find that happens a lot for me, you know, so I don't get too, I don't get like freaked out about it. Sometimes we get depressed and then we make it worse because we're saying, oh my God, I'm going to be stuck in this forever. You're not. Okay. Just let it, let it experience it. Let it do its thing. And then hopefully you wake up the next day or a couple days later and you feel better. Okay. So good job, Astro. And remember that. Okay. So don't get mired in it. Um, Belong Blank says, I've lost 15 pounds in a month. Now I have 90 to go. Wow. Congratulations. Nice start. Now I want to point out, I got to make this clear. 15 pounds in a month is a lot of weight. Most likely you're not going to maintain the same rate of weight loss. Okay. So understand that again, managing our expectations is such a huge part of the process because the diet industry really set us up for failure. We really have ridiculous expectations and, and I'll be honest, losing 15 pounds in a month is, is pretty intense. And so I'm going to imagine that you must've done something pretty intense to accomplish that. And so just keep that in mind that, that it's difficult to keep extreme things up for a long period of time. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying, recognize that. And if you find it gets hard to keep up the extreme thing you started off with, you can ease off a little bit, right? And of course you would have to like, uh, I'll slow down my weight loss a little bit. I'm okay with that. Cause I'm all about, as I always say, we're not here for weight loss, right? I don't give a shit about your weight loss. I give a shit about your weight maintenance. I want you not to just to get to your goal weight. I want you to live the rest of your life at your goal weight on near autopilot, all right? And so that, that again, a lot of times we start with these extreme plans and we lose drastic amounts of weight and it's exciting, but we can't keep it up. So I want you to always keep an eye on the process and make sure that the process is working for you, all right? So make that point. <clears throat> um, but good job. Great job. That, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, 
Fine says, I'm struggling with binging so bad. I put on like 10 kilograms and it's so embarrassing to go to the gym because all people know me there. Um, yeah, that sucks. That sucks. I, I hear you. Um, binging though. Let's talk about binging because this applies to pretty much everyone. The two big causes of binging, number one is over-restricting, right? You, you over-restrict all day long and then you binge all night, okay? So we can't over-restrict. Um, the, the problem in, this, in that situation is not that you were binging, it's that you were over-restricting. So be careful of that. We can't get ourselves starving and expect we're going to eat well, all right? So the first thing is do not over-restrict because you're always, almost always going to end up binging. The other one is emotional. And of course, these can work together. The emotional piece is that, and, and so let me take a step back. When it comes to binging, you don't just want to stop binging. You want to understand the binging. What is triggering it? Okay, because once we understand what's triggering it, then we can be much more specific with the strategic solution that we come up with to deal with it. We need to understand it to come up with a real solution. We can't just stop everything with willpower. I'm going to stop binging because that never gets to the source of the problem. And so now, now again, we go back to the first source of the problem typically with binging is that you're over-restricting. You're getting yourself too hungry and then you can't control your eating. So the solution to that is not to get yourself too hungry. Manage your hunger. All right. The second one's emotions. And again, usually we um, have, I see this a big thing for the binging is that there's some emotion you don't want to deal with or you don't know how to deal with. It's really negative and you're worried about it. And you use the binge shame cycle as a way to deal with that and avoid it. So, um, and again, it could be, it'd be a combination of those two as well. Okay. But, and it may be other things also. So the point is to let go of the embarrassment and, and, and all that stuff, get yourself clear headed, relaxed and calm and reflect on what what state were you in? What's your state? How you feel physically, mentally, and emotionally? So right before you start binging, like two minutes before you start binging, what state are you in? Where are you at physically, mentally, and emotionally? Are you hungry, starving? Are mentally, um, you know, are you feeling negative and stressed? Um, emotionally, are you feeling, you know, stressed, down, frustrated, sad, whatever? Okay, that's the first step. You got to notice what what's triggering it because then we can go to work on finding the solutions, all right? Um, yeah, Astrid says I can handle it better, thanks to you. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Astrid. Yeah, and you're, but you're using the program, so I'm, I'm always so so impressed with what you're doing. Um, <laughs> Lolo, yeah, I, I kind of got you there, right? I got you. Um, so that's why I suggest to everyone with the binging, you know? Um, Hartzmeyer says, why is it easier to lose weight when you're sad? That's interesting. I mean, it's not for everyone. You know what I mean? Like, again, that, that's what we all have to remember. Everyone's different, you know? That's why the diets are never going to work for you because they're not, they're not built for you. I mean, to be honest, even you go see a nutritionist or a dietitian, and they'll give you a, a customized plan. That ain't going to work for you either, most likely, because we need to understand the emotional, mental pieces of it, right? You got to understand the mindset piece. Um, but yeah, so, so getting to that point, we need to understand that some people get sad and eat everything in sight and put a bunch of weight on. Some people get sad and then they don't eat much food and they lose weight. You know, so everyone's different. You've got to always reference yourself. Really, you're, you're, what you're doing here is you're looking to create a one-size-fits-one plan. That's why the diets are never going to work because it's just a one-size-fits-all plan. How could that be possible? There's 8 billion people on the planet. Not to say that keto wouldn't make everyone that followed it to the letter lose weight. I don't doubt that. But I, what I doubt is that most people are not going to want to live that way. You know what I mean? So we've got to look deeper into the, we can't just say, oh yeah, on paper, that's going to make me lose weight. We've got to look into like, do I want to do that? Do I want to do keto? Do I want to intermittent fast? Do I want to do Weight Watchers? Do I want to live like this? We always got to reference against ourselves. So yeah, I don't know. Like again, when we get sad, so, so for you, it's easier to lose weight when you're sad. 
But that's a that that's also if that was the case for you, that's a belief I'd want to break and break apart, right? Because you don't want to be sad and you don't want to be overweight, and so that belief is kind of setting you up for failure. You you can absolutely lose weight and master your weight being happy too, but you got to start letting your mind go to that place and start thinking about that. You know, so don't think that the only way you can lose weight is when you're sad, because that's that's what that belief's getting ready to build up. Right, so watch out. Um, <laughs> thanks, Shamel. Why are you not on TV educating the masses? Uh, maybe someday I will be. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but for right now, I'm happy to talk to you all. I, I really am. I, I, I love this. Again, I, I've been doing this about a year, you know, like social media. What's well, more than a year now, isn't it? About a year and a half, um, social media wise. And um, yeah, it's pretty fun. And I can't say that I've done things in the smartest way. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way I've done things, but, but what do I care? I, you know, I, I'm happy. I'm happy with things are at. I, I love my, my coaching people. I love getting to talk to you all, all the time and, and help you all out. So I appreciate you saying that though. That's what my, that's my goal is to kind of educate and help as many people as I can live at their goal weight. That's, that's my goal. Um, this is what I learned from you, how to lose slowly and keep it off and be okay losing slowly. Yeah. The patience is so important because now again, the way we get to patience is not, see, you can't think like a dieter and be patient because embedded in like the way of a dieter thinks about weight loss as a temporary thing. Deep down, you're like, I'm going to diet until I lose the weight. And so you're really only thinking about the weight loss phase. And the weight loss is only a phase, folks. You don't want to lose weight. You really don't. That's not your goal. That's not your real goal. You don't want to lose weight. I know you think you do, but you're screwing yourself by saying, I just want to lose weight. I just want to lose weight. I just want to lose weight. That, that phrase is probably more responsible for you not losing weight than anything else. You don't want to lose weight. You want to live at your goal weight. They're two totally different things. It's going to take you a couple weeks, months, or years to lose the weight. And then what? You just want to keep losing weight? What do you want to do then? Put the weight back on so you can lose weight again because that's all you want to do is lose weight? You've got to be specific with what your goal is. You're, you're, you're literally, you keep, as a mantra, you keep saying, I just want to lose weight. And it's fucking not even true. It's not true. Don't you understand you're trapping yourself with that phrase? Wouldn't you agree between the, the two? Which which do you want? Do you want to lose weight? Or do you want to get to your goal weight and live the rest of your life at your goal weight on near autopilot? Which one do you want? You see, you've got to be specific because your subconscious mind is extremely literal. And you keep pumping in the wrong mantra. The wrong mantra, the wrong goal. It's just, it's not well articulated. Okay, so upgrade it. That's going to help you. And so, yeah, the, the patience, um, that's what all my clients, you know, that's what we work on. We work on having more patience, but the patience, the first step to having more patience with your weight is to reframe the goal. Because if, if the only goal that matters to you is just losing weight and you think getting to your goal weight is the finish line, then you get very impatient because you think of it as a temporary thing. But when you take a step back and realize from the question, how long do you want to keep the weight off for? Forever, right? So we're talking about forever. So all of a sudden something's forever what's the rush? What is the rush? Who gives a shit if it took you three, six months or 12 months to lose all the weight if you're going to live it that way for the rest of your life on your autopilot? Does it? What difference does it make? I really don't understand it. Do you see what I'm saying though? Like it's, it's, it's the framing that's the biggest problem for you because you're just thinking, you're thinking about from now to your goal weight and you want to make that as short as possible because you're just thinking about that. But as soon as you realize just getting to your goal weight, you're just starting... Oops. Um, can you guys not hear me? Um, yeah, once you once you re reframe it, it, it changes the whole paradigm, you know? Um, so it's not just this temporary thing. It's not, who gives a shit if you get there this year? I mean, I mean, most people can get there in a year, but, but some people, I don't know, it just depends. But who gives a shit? 
You do understand. Here's the thing too. Here's another thing is I don't know how far you are from your goal weight. Let's just say the average person wants to lose 40 pounds. I'm just throwing a number out there. Um, but let's just say you take it slow and steady in a way that's going to, like you're really mastering it. You're not just doing some crazy shit. You're figuring out how to work with yourself, how to deal with your emotions, how to deal with your mindset, how to think like a thin and healthy person, how to change your eating habits, how to live a healthier lifestyle. Okay. So you're not just losing weight. You're literally transforming yourself from the inside out into the person you want to be. Okay. And your goal is to lose 40 pounds and you go about it, not focusing on how fast you can lose the weight, but for how long you can lose the weight. So you're more focused on getting the real foundational pieces in place. And so let's just say six months go by. Okay. And you've lost 20 pounds, right? Which sounds really slow weight loss for a lot of people. It's, oh my God, it's so slow. Yeah. But you did it in a way that's easy, comfortable, sustainable, you can do it forever, okay? And so now you're 20 pounds down, okay? So, so to, to, if, you, if you have a different weight loss goal, let's put it into percentages. So if you get halfway to your weight loss goal, do you not think you're gonna feel amazing? See, this is part of another piece of the mindset puzzle that's screwing you up, is you're not appreciating the journey. You're not appreciating the percentage improvements you're making. So, it's not like, so you just think like, oh, I feel like shit now. When I get to my goal, I'm going to feel amazing. Well, what about in between? Well, you think the whole process in between sucks because it's a diet and diets suck. But what if you did it in a way that was comfortable and easy and enjoyable? Well, all of a sudden it doesn't suck. And now you can just enjoy the process. It's fun losing weight. What's the rush? You know, just, just enjoy the ride. Losing 20 pounds is amazing. And then knowing you got, you got 20 more you're going to lose, but you're going to do it because you, you've got a mastery. Set, you know how to do it now. So that, that to me, that, that's the mindset piece that creates, you know, that, that's where the patience comes from. And that's why people in the program are okay with losing slowly because why wouldn't you be? God, you're, you're fucking, you're, your rush to lose weight is so silly because you've, you've been rushing to lose weight for 40 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're rushing for 20, 30 years to lose weight and not losing it, and you're just still in this rush. Why? Why are you still in a rush? It, it, it is weird. I, I know I'm, I'm kind of being facetious. I'm, I'm kind of joking a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing that to try and make a point of it. You know, it, it's silly. It's silly. If you've been struggling away for 30 years, what is your rush anymore? Why don't you slow down? You know? Honor, honor all that work you've put in by learning from it. Dieters never learn... Dieters don't learn much. I, I got to tell you, I, I made a video about that. The dieters love doing shit that doesn't work, right? I mean, how many times you try Weight Watchers and keto and just keep trying it? It's 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 pathological. It's, it's it really is. Again, I'm trying to be a jerk here, but when you take a step back and look at it, it's it's like what what what's going on, you know? So that's awesome, Karen. Hazel, since finding you in August last year, I've lost two and a half stone and now off blood pressure tablets. Holy shit, Hazel. I'll take a screenshot of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Great job, Hazel. I love that. Right? So since finding you in August of last year, so here's another way to kind of think about time in a different way than we typically think of it, right? What if you'd lost 20 pounds in the last six months? You know, in a way that was comfortable and easy and sustainable. That's what, I, I keep trying to mention that to you because subconsciously you associate weight loss with stress and deprivation and overwhelm and frustration. Do you understand? That's why you're not losing weight. That's the main thing. But imagine six months ago, you started making changes in how you eat, how you live, how you think about yourself, how you approach things, and you lost 20 pounds. How would you feel today? You know what I mean? Like, see, you don't have to get to your goal weight to start feeling amazing. 
you know, you got to start to realize it, it's, it's, it's stages, you know, progress feels amazing. Start, start bringing your awareness to the progress feels incredible. Doing the right things, feeling like you got some traction, feeling like oh, I'm getting this. That feels amazing. You don't just have to get to the goal weight. Then what happens? Plus, by the way, if you get to the goal weight and everything's so absolutely amazing, then why do people put the weight back on? It's another question to think about. Great job, Hazel. Um, Fine says, thank you. That's helpful. I think I will journal my emotions and reflect on that. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Journaling on your emotions would be super duper. You'll learn a lot about yourself. I guarantee you. Okay. So the goal is to be healthy and not lose weight. Yeah. I mean, I want you to lose weight too. You know what I mean? Listen, everything I say, and, and well, I talk about weight here, but but it's funny. Look, with my clients, I, I like we rarely, although I will say someone got on here the other day in the live and they're like, what the hell? You're not talking about healthy food or any of this other stuff. And it's like, yeah, because you already know that shit. You know, what you don't know is the mindset piece. You don't know how to get your mindset right. You don't know how to think like a thin and healthy person. You know, so that's what I try and tell you. Um, but the goal is to be healthy and happy and be at your goal weight. The, the real goal, right? I always say take your weight loss and wrap it in personal development. And so you make this a process, not about just losing weight, because losing weight is not motivating to you. It really isn't. You think about this, evolutionarily, it was the exact opposite. You wanted to gain as much weight as possible. You have no biological, neurological mechanisms in you that want you to lose weight. You got a little prefrontal cortex here, which is the newest part of your brain that understands the modern implications that you want to lose weight. But beyond that, you have no physiology. You have no, there's no hormones, chemicals that want you to lose weight. You, we've evolved over millions of years to try and eat everything possible that we see. Cause we, our, our main, our main foe is starvation. Do you know what I mean? But now we live in a food abundance society. So Anyways, just wanting to lose weight isn't enough. I mean, you tell me, folks, you, you do not think that. I know you, I, I, tell, I have this conversation every day, but it's like, I know you think wanting to look better is enough motivation. I know you think wanting to lose weight is enough motivation, but if you haven't lost weight, what, what's, what are we talking about? What, what's the reason then? You know, so to me, it's like, I think you need to upgrade the goal. And instead of just focusing on weight loss, you focus on being the best version of yourself you can be. Who is the best you? My real passion is, is personal development. Like I, 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 I eat, sleep, and, and drink personal development for 30 years. But weight is, is absolute passion of mine too. And it all comes back. My dad died at 54 of a heart attack. So weight to me is life and death. And um, I always joke, you know, back like in high school, I was like, I, I thought about being a doctor, you know, and then I took my first chemistry class. <laughs> Well, guess I'm not going to be a doctor. I uh, didn't get any of that. But but in, in a weird way, I guess I kind of came back because I, I wanted to help people, you know, because for me, it was always, you know, death from unnecessary preventable deaths. You know, for me, it's the worst thing on the planet because it was the worst trauma I ever experienced, you know, and, so, and I internalized that, you know. So to me, being overweight isn't just, you know, I want to look better in a bathing suit. It's like being at your goal weight and being healthy is spending as much time as you can, as long as you can with your, your kids, with with your wife, with your husband, with with whoever you love, you know, like living life. It, it means much more to me. And so I could have just, I, I've had that conversation a lot of times in the beginning. Like I could have just gone the personal development route, you know, um, but I just, I can't let go of the weight. It's too important to me. And it's too important for me to help you. I was saying this to someone, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm passionate about this. You all know, I mean, I'm on here talking every single day for hours, every day. And that's just, that's just the time you guys see me. You know what I'm doing when you don't see me? I'm talking about weight with my clients. You know what I mean? Like, like I, it really is. I'm, I'm obsessed with it and it's a passion for me because I know if you get control of your mindset, your lifestyle and your eating and your weight and your health, 
just life can be completely different for you. You know, you, you can be so much happier, so much more fulfilled, just everything's so much better, you know? So that's what I want for you all. So yeah, the, the goal is to lose weight, but the goal is to do it in a way where you're healthy and you're happy and it's fun and it's enjoyable. And it's almost like a side effect and a consequence of you feeling better and being better, you know? So, so that, that's more accurate. That's what I think. Um, yeah, Astrid said the sound's cracking. The sound's okay now. Yeah, I saw a little message there. I was going to ask you, but yeah. Um, Hazel says, I need to learn to maintain now. Yeah, absolutely, Hazel. Yeah. Now, again, folks, we, we want to learn to maintain right from the beginning, ideally. Okay, but Hazel, yeah, now the focus is on maintaining now. All right? And that's a different process, to be honest. It really is. Um, because think about it, right? Again, the the excitement, we, we do trade the excitement of the food for the excitement of the scale going down. And the, excite, the scale going down is very exciting. You know, and so once that stops, a lot of people struggle to find, what do I look forward to? I can't, I can't look forward to the food anymore. I can't look forward to the scale going down. So what do I look forward to? That's why you need to have a different paradigm around this. Because if your only goal is weight loss, that, that's a finite goal. It, it just You hit it and now what? What's motivating you now? <clears throat> if the only thing motivating you is get to a goal weight, well, what do you do once you get there? It's not as motivating when you hit it. And this happens all the time. I, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of clients that I've had and, and people I talk to, as they're approaching their goal weight, they're kind of freaking out. Because what happens is y'all are sitting here, if you're overweight, you got your overweight mindset and you got your dieter mindset. And at best you diet yourself down to your goal weight, but you can't keep dieting and you don't want to go back to being your overweight self. And so you're in trouble. What do I do? Well, what you do, and that's what you're saying now, Hazel, need to learn how to maintain now means I need to learn how to create a thin, healthy mindset. It is more than that, right? So what I talk about, the weight mastery pyramid, you know, um, and I would even I would even frame it as I need to learn how to master my weight. That mastering your weight is a much better goal than losing weight. You know, like I want to have mastery. I want to understand it frontwards, backwards. It, it's one of the most I think out of anything you could study in life, mastering your weight to me is the the best thing in the world. Better than even making money, you know, because it's literally what how you eat, how you live, your weight, your health. Those are the main things that are going to dictate how long you live and your quality of life while you're here. So, um, again, I'm sure Hazel, you watched it now, but, but make sure everyone here, if you have not, make sure you go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session I give you. It's free. It's called The New Thin Me. Um, it's about 10 minutes, but you will get to experience hypnosis from me. I'm one of the highest paid hypnotists on the planet, right? My, my private coaching fee is $25,000. So it's like, I'm giving this for free. If you tried hypnosis in the past, this, this may be different, you know? You may find it's different. And it's completely free. So you listen to that session, you relax, you calm down, you hear this stuff. And what will happen is you'll just naturally make healthier food choices for the next couple of days just from that one listen, that one session. And then I give you a training three steps to master your weight. I really suggest you watch that if you're serious about mastering your weight. All right. Um, Fine says, I'm sorry, I'm relatively new here on your channel. Would you recommend calorie counting? Um, again, you know, th this just comes back to what works for you. You know, if you like counting calories, some people are like that, right? Like, actuaries, accountants, right? There, there are people that like to count stuff, you know, and track stuff. If you're of that mindset and you love doing it, then do it. If you, you've tried it and you hate doing it, it's tedious and you don't want to do it, then don't do it. You can lose weight in a million different ways, you know? The point is to figure out what works for you. There is no magic way, okay? There's only the way that works for you. 
So if you like calorie count and do it, if you don't like calorie count and don't do it, I always recommend, I think, I think it's good to track and count your calories for a week or so just to calibrate where you're at, right? Because you might be way over or underestimating what you're doing. And that's a problem. We need to be able to see things clearly. The more clearly we can see things, the more strategic we can be. And so I think tracking your calories for a little bit and getting clear on that is very, very beneficial. Um, but most people I know don't want to track calories forever. It's, it's tedious. It's unnatural. You know, we never, never track calories in all of our history. I wouldn't want to track calories, you know. But again, it's up to each person. Uh, Gloria says, I was always thin until 30. I started gaining three pounds a year. I wanted to maintain, but you eat. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I love when I lose a, even a pound, but it comes back. Yeah, I get it, Gloria, right? That's why, but again, you know, like dieters, we, we gotta, you gotta stop thinking about the weight loss piece of it. Here's a little trick for you, a little mindset trick. Instead of like always focusing on how much weight you wanna lose, you focus on what weight you want to live at. And the difference being that when you focus on how much weight you want to lose, subconsciously you're thinking about your overweight self. You're envisioning and imagining and identifying as your overweight self. You're saying, I am this person and I want to lose this weight. And so your subconscious mind's getting wrapped up in you being overweight. That's what it is. And of course, you've been saying the same shit forever as well. So it's also associated with being overweight. So I would suggest instead that you start saying, I want to be X amount of pounds. I want to be X kilograms. Okay, because what happens then is you start to envision and imagine yourself as that version of you. You start to identify as that thin and healthy version of you. And that starts to create, it gets exciting. You know, so much of what we do in Program Yourself Thin is imagining yourself as the person you want to be. And um, the more you do that, the more you start to associate pleasure to it. Right now, you associate pain to losing weight, folks. This is why you're not losing weight. You think about what you have, what you think you need to do to lose weight and it's painful and so you avoid it. You know, but, but losing weight is probably one of the most pleasurable things you could do on the planet. Living at your goal weight in a way that really works for you and resonates with you is probably one of the most enjoyable things you could ever do. You know, um, Hannah says you're spot on. I know how to lose weight. I know what to eat, but I need to convince my brain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, you know, again, your mindset is the number one thing impacting your weight and you've never learned how to deal with your mindset, right? Never. There's no diet that showed you how to, um, how to deal with your mindset. And so that's what you got to learn, right? And no one's teaching it to you. That's why I say, please go watch the training I give you. I, I give you the hypnosis session, but then I give you a training, which I think is even more important. Um, it's three steps to master your weight, but I'll lay the whole thing out for you. Again, it's, it's all free. It's all free. Um, I have a program. I'm not, I have a program. If you want to work with me, you know, you can invest in that, but um, it's, I give you a bunch of free stuff and then I email you every day, you know, and then I got a bunch of cool stuff coming. I, I, I'm, it's exciting times here. I can't wait to let you all see what's coming. It's really, really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, you need to convince your brain. Um, convince my brain. Yeah. I use different languaging a little bit, but but it's the same thing, you know? But, but it comes down to this, right? That you all know what you should and shouldn't eat. You know, this is the biggest distinction I think is helpful for you is to realize that you have two parts of your brain. You have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. The conscious part of your mind is your prefrontal cortex. It's the part of your mind that's logical, rational. It's where your executive functioning skills are. It's where your willpower is. The party that knows what you should and shouldn't eat um, and tries to get you to do it, okay? Um, but then there's the other part of your brain, which is really running the show. It's your subconscious mind where it runs all your habitual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And um, between the two, the subconscious mind is much more powerful. And so you've been stuck in this 
10, 20, 30, 40 year cycle of knowing what you should do and not doing it. And to me, this is the core challenge of being a human being. And I don't know why no one ever talks about this. I, I, I have thought about this for 30 years and I, I don't understand it. And I think this is why hypnosis is so important because I, I find that the most important piece of hypnosis is the concept, the conceptualization of a conscious subconscious mind. Because how do you describe it, folks? How do you describe the fact that you know what you want to eat and then you don't do it? How do you describe that? Self-sabotage? I have no willpower? I'm a food addict? Those, those mean nothing. They really don't mean anything. You know, there's no real granular detail of what's actually going on there. They're just vague ass phrases people say and then go back to sleep, you know? But the, the, the core challenge always comes down to the same thing, that you know what you want to eat and then you don't do it. Now I'll tell you, the core reason why you don't do it is because you have no idea how to influence your state. What's really dictating your eating behaviors? Let's think about this right? You've all been trying to lose weight for a long time. And sometimes you make good food decisions that bring you towards your weight loss goals. And sometimes you make decisions that bring you away from your weight loss goals. Same brain, same genetics, same environment, but sometimes you make those decisions and sometimes you make these decisions. So what dictates it? It's not the knowledge you have about food, right? You don't, you don't get like um, spontaneous amnesia and forget that Ben and Jerry's ice cream is fattening is going to make you overweight if you eat it. Right? So what happens? Well, it's your mood. Sometimes you're in a good, calm, relaxed, motivated, focused mood, and you tend to make better decisions. And sometimes you're in a stressed out, overwhelmed, pissed off mood, and you say, fuck it, I don't care what I eat. Who gives a shit? And then you eat that stuff. I mean, at the core of it, does not just basically come down to that? You know? If you were a robot, you would just eat what, you know what I mean? If you were a robot and you just typed in what you are going to eat all day, and then you just ate that way, you wouldn't have any problem losing weight. The problem is you have no idea how to change your behaviors. You're flummoxed by it. And everyone is. I find it, this is what I find fascinating because even if it's not weight, I mean, literally all of us, you know, we're doing things that we don't want to do or we can't get ourselves to do things we really want to do. And I just find it interesting that no one really thinks about it on this level, you know? Because to me, this is the whole game. And so I think, you know, hypnosis addresses this in the most practical way possible. And then there's a lot of techniques in there. So ultimately, you know, you got to learn how to run your own brain, I believe. And then I think everything changes. Jamie says, I feel like my two brain sides argue with each other when it comes to sweets or candy. I constantly have to talk myself out of eating those things. Yeah, okay, but Jamie, let's get, let's get, so again, I, I, I like that description of it, but I, I think this conscious subconscious mind one's a, is a better one. Um, so I think what's happening is consciously, consciously, logically, let me back it up real quick, just to explain the conscious subconscious mind. So it's like we all know Pavlo, Pavlov's dogs, right? He, he shows them the food, rings the bell at the same time. The dog salivates and the dog links up the bell with salivation. Eventually, you can take the food away and just ring the bell and the dog salivates, right? And we, we look at it and say, stupid dogs. You can do the same exact experiment with humans. I get you hungry and then I show you your favorite food while I ring a bell a few times, <laughs> however many times it takes, uh, then all I need to do, I say, listen, I'm about to ring this bell. There's, there's no food, okay? I want you to know there's no food here. I'm just going to ring a bell and you're going to salivate. And I'd ring the bell and you'd start salivating. And you, the whole time you could say, this is stupid. This doesn't make any sense. But you'd still salivate. That's very important to understand, okay? So we have a conscious and a subconscious mind. And our conscious mind thinks it can control your subconscious mind. It cannot. It is not up for the task. Your conscious mind is your prefrontal cortex. It's one of the most energy intensive parts of your brain. And so it uses up a lot of energy and it tires out quickly. 
your subconscious mind is not. You know, the classic example I like to use is kind of just right what you're saying, Jamie. It's like, um, you know, the classic, you go on a diet and it's the first Monday night, right? And so everything's going pretty good all day. You've been following your plan, all the rest of it. Now you go and sit on the sofa and start watching TV and your subconscious mind looks around and says, okay, it's eight o'clock. We're sitting on the sofa watching TV. Um, hey, let's have some ice cream. And your conscious mind, no, 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 we're on a diet. We're on a diet. We can't do that. You know, and then, say, right. then like five, 10 seconds later, hey, wait, where's the ice cream? Let's have some ice cream. No, 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 we can't do that. We're we, we, we going to do that. Hey, wait, hey, ice cream. Right? <laughs> just over and over and over and over again. But this part just does it automatically. Do, do you understand? Like the, the subconscious mind um, is the part that runs your toothbrushing habit, right? So when you brush your teeth, you don't really consciously brush your teeth and you don't remember to consciously brush your teeth. You just do it at the same times of day. It just runs automatically. Okay, your cravings, your eating run just automatically. They're subconscious, they're automated. And then you all of a sudden say, okay, well today I'm on a diet and so now I'm gonna micromanage every little thing. Dieting is like the equivalent of like, see, cause you think it's hard because it, you think it's hard to give up your favorite foods, which is part of it. But the bigger part is that you're changing things and now trying to do everything consciously. So another way to think about dieting, it would be like if you woke up one day and you're like, you know what? Today I'm going to brush my teeth with my other hand. I'm going to use my computer mouse with my other hand. I'm going to use my phone with my other hand. Could you do it? Yeah, but you'll be really pissed off by the end of the day. And if you don't believe me, tonight, go brush your teeth with the other hand and see what I mean. You're, you'll, you can do it, but it takes a lot of thought. You jab your gums. It, it's, it's tiring because you're thinking about it so much. Your brain doesn't want to think. The main organizing principle of your brain is it wants to conserve energy. And so we want to just, our brain does what it did. We just do what we did. And so all of a sudden you go on a diet and you got all your automated behaviors and now consciously you're trying to change them all. And what ends up happening is you deplete your conscious willpower. You deplete your consciousness, literally. And um, then what do you do? You go back into automated mode. Isn't this what always happens, folks? I mean, even when, you even when you're successful with your weight loss, you could stick with a plan for three months, six months, and you get to your goal weight and then the second you just slip up or you get distracted or life throws some shit at you, what do you do? You go back to acting like you always did. Well, how's that happen? Because you're a subconscious creature. And right now, if you're overweight, your subconscious programming is that of an overweight person. What I'm saying, and so what you keep trying to do to lose weight, though, is you try to consciously fight against that. And what I'm suggesting you do is you learn how to reprogram your subconscious mind so that you become naturally a thin and healthy person. Because think about it. I mean, as much as you all want to lose weight, you do everything you can to lose weight, and some part of you keeps keeps you at your higher weight. It ain't fucking, it's not genetics or a set point. It's not those things because you've lost weight. It's your mindset. It's your mindset. You haven't changed um, how you think about food, your lifestyle, your health. You haven't changed, you have no idea how to deal with your behaviors. The only tool you have is willpower. You just force yourself to do stuff. And it's just not a good strategy. So yeah, it, it, so when you feel like you're fighting against yourself, Jamie, it's your subconscious cravings for candy because you still think about sweets and candy the same way. You didn't change how you think about sweets and candy. You think about them the same way when you're dieting and the same way when you're just eating them. The only difference that happens when you want to lose weight is you say, okay, now I'm going to fight against those associations I have. I, the way you think about candy and sweets, you want to have it. And so the, the cravings go up. And now you got to fight against those. But if you change the way you think about sweets and candy in a way that makes you indifferent to them or makes you disgusted by them, then you don't have to fight against it anymore. Let me prove it one more way. If you're a non-smoker, right? If you're a non-smoker, Jamie, it's not because you're fighting against cravings all day. You don't have any cravings. Why don't you have any cravings? 
because the way you think about cigarettes, it doesn't create any cravings. You think they're gross, they're disgusting, whatever, and so there are no cravings for it. But it's an addictive substance, so why aren't there cravings for it? Well, hey, you probably haven't done it, but, but it's also because of the way you think about it. And so this is the point. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The power is in your mindset in changing how you think about things. So right now, Jamie, I hate to tell you this, but if you don't change how you think about the sweets and the candy on a subconscious level, you're forever going to have to fight against it and stop yourself from wanting them. So that's love we gotta do. We gotta change how we're thinking and then everything becomes much easier. I sit here in front of you, I dropped 50 pounds 30 years ago and I've maintained the same weight for 30 years. I had one blip um, 12 years ago, but it's been the same weight. And I'm not, I haven't dieted one day I don't even exercise. I haven't exercised. I, I do yoga. Um, I walk, you know, but it's like I haven't done any consistent exercise. I've mastered how I eat and I've mastered how I eat because I've mastered my mindset and my lifestyle. The weight mastery pyramid and program yourself then is mindset, lifestyle, eating. And um, when you get all those things in play, it's easy to eat the right way and to be at your goal weight. You know, so I can tell you now, it's easy for me to live at my goal weight. It's easy and enjoyable and I love it. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't have that battle anymore. And the reason why is because I, I, I always focus on programming my subconscious mind for long-term results, you know? So you got to recognize that distinction um, between programming our subconscious mind and fighting against it. Because fighting against it, you're almost guaranteed to lose. Um, let's see, yeah. Yeah. What's up, Myra? Erica says, so how do you change how you feel about candy and sweets on a subconscious level? New here. That's a great question. I will give you, I'll give you kind of a simple technique, strategy to use. Um, and sometimes I hesitate to do this because there's not a lot of context to it right now, but I'll, I'll just share it with you. So what a lot of, a lot of subconscious, pro you always generate, you generate your feelings, okay? So the cravings aren't just naturally there. Right. So again, um, even a cigarette smoker, you know, who, who's reformed, you know what I mean? Like, like they might still sometimes have cravings for a cigarette on a, on a physical level. Um, but a lot of times that's created mentally and it's all controlled mentally. Cause if we look at drug addicts, right, they're the, they're the most extreme example of this, that, uh, if you look at, a, a, at someone who was a drug addict, like a hardcore drug addict, heroin, heroin crack, right. The, the most addictive drugs there are every year. There's people that used to be hardcore addicts who re reform. They'd never do it again. So how does someone go from being a hardcore drug addict to being a reformed drug addict, right? They have the same genetics, same brain, right? Because I always say that, and again, this is, a, this is, a, this is a, a sketchy line people like to talk about, but like addiction, drug addiction to me is fascinating because here you go, you have one person and, oh, you know, because we say it's a disease, and I, I find, but it's a disease that you can decide not to have, I guess. I, I know you still have it, but you can manage it, right? Because again, where NLP is different is we focus on the people we want to emulate. And I think with drug addiction, we just focus on the people that are addicted to drugs. I get it. But there's always the, the percentage of people that are addicted to drugs that stop doing drugs forever. So those are the people that I'm obsessed with. I'm fascinated by it. How do they do it? What's the difference? Their brains didn't, like their, their literal physical brain didn't change. Their genetics didn't change. What changed for someone to go from being a hardcore drug addict to being reformed? In my opinion, it's their mindset. And the way I think about it is this, that I think there's three phases of addictive behavior and these apply to eating. There's the anticipation, consumption, and consequence. And I feel like when people are in the process of being addicted, when someone's an active drug addict, their mindset is obsessed on the anticipation and the consumption of the drug. 
And when someone's wrapped up in the food, their mindset is obsessed on the anticipation and the consumption of the food. This is what we know as food noise now, right? And again, the, the, phrase, the phrase of 2024 is what that's going to be. But food noise really is this obsession on the getting and eating of pleasurable foods. And it's no different than the same folks on drugs, okay? So what happens when someone becomes a reformed drug addict, when they stop using drugs? I believe what happens is their mindset becomes focused on the consequence instead. And they pull their attention away from exclusively focusing on the anticipation and consumption. And I think that same process can be very, very helpful for you with the foods. Because you have been conditioned your entire life through advertising and experience. Every ad is always focused on the anticipation and consumption of the food. Every ad you see is the food coming towards you, the person opening the bag, anticipating the eating of it. That's the first half of the ad. And then there's the, the consumption, the first couple consumptions, the first couple bites. They never show you the consequence. They never show you the empty bag, the laying on the sofa feeling full. They never show you that part. And so in your mind, you have been conditioned to think about food as the anticipation and consumption. And you don't ever think about the consequence. When you do think about consequence, you think about the weight consequence. But that weight consequence you're thinking about, so let's put this into reality. You say, um, I think I'm gonna have some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And subconsciously, you're thinking about getting it, eating it. That's it. And that's driving the cravings way up high. And then you try and fight those with willpower. Okay? But if we focus on the consequence, and, and now you, you, you may focus on the consequence, I don't want to gain weight. But that consequence is potentially weeks out ahead. And so your brain says, hi, oh, you know what? Let's just eat it tonight. Tomorrow we'll start our plan and we'll never even gain that weight. And so it tricks your brain that way. The consequence I'm talking about is the unavoidable one, which is the one that's five minutes after you finish eating the ice cream. Right. And if you can start to train your mind to focus on the consequence, the physical, mental and emotional consequence of what that ice cream is going to do to you, where you're going to feel, it becomes very powerful because that consequence is always there. Every single time you eat something like the ice cream, the chips, cookies, the sweets, whatever it is, there's always a consequence, a physical, mental, and emotional consequence. Now, you can't just focus on the physical consequence because, to be honest, just like a drug addict, you're kind of tolerant to it. You've habituated to it. So you can eat a bag of candy and feel fine. Okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus on the physical one too much, you know, pass by, maybe it's there, but it's the mental and emotional one. Those are the big consequences that I think are really, you're going to get some traction out of, because if you want to lose weight, if you're worried about your health, you know, if you think about losing weight all the time, after you eat the ice cream, after you eat the cookies, after you eat whatever this stuff is, there's a pretty intense mental and emotional consequence. And when I say mental, what I mean is your internal dialogue. You know, you talk to yourself all the time. And if you're struggling with your weight, I can almost guarantee you have an extremely critical negative voice in your head just beating you up. And what ends up happening is this voice literally drives you to eat more, but it, but it makes you feel like shit. You know, it's a, it says the meanest stuff in the world to you. And I don't know if you know this or not. So this is why you got to start paying attention to it. And so the mental part is what you're saying to yourself. It's very, very negative. Um, you know, you finish the ice cream and then five minutes later, what do you say? You say, oh, you did it again. You're never going to lose this weight. Why do you do this stuff all the time? You're a loser. You're screwing. I mean, we say the meanest stuff. I'm not going to go into it here. And then that creates the emotions. And so five minutes after you finish eating the ice cream, now again, you don't realize this because you've gotten in the habit of just going to denial. You just ignore it. But it's right there. You feel discouraged, you feel frustrated, you feel full, you feel demotivated, you feel deflated, you feel like a failure, you know, and a lot of other emotions. And so as you start to train your mind on the consequences, what happens is 
it becomes a different process. So if you want to know how to change your thoughts about food, we start focusing on the consequences five minutes after. And so it becomes a different process. So say, oh, maybe I'll have some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Now I acknowledge that the, the getting it and the eating is exciting, no doubt. And so I recognize that. But then I say to myself, how am I going to feel five minutes after I finish it? Now, again, this takes some trial and error because it, this takes eating the ice cream a number of times and then saying, oh my God, I feel like shit. This doesn't feel good. And then, you know, the third, fourth time you do it, so how am I going to feel five minutes after? Well, I feel shitty. I feel kind of full. I feel heavy. I feel demotivated. I feel like I took a step backwards, all the rest of it. And when you change how you're thinking that way, what happens is you don't need as much willpower because when you start thinking on that consequence that follows, the, the craving for the food starts to go down naturally. And so I hope this makes sense, right? But it's just, just such a different way to approach it than you're just thinking the same way as you always have and then you think you're going to fight that off with willpower and you're not. You need to change the way you're thinking about it, you know? Um, hi, Jim. Do you have any thoughts about Barbara O'Neill, if you know about her? I don't know Barbara O'Neill. Who's she? <clears throat> Let's see. Let's look her up. Oh, you know, her face looks familiar. I think someone had mentioned her. <clears throat> Jeez, my voice. Um, all right. Yeah, I'll check her out. I like alternative medicine people sometimes. I'll check it out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm trying to lose weight for 20 years. I lose the weight, but I gain it all back again. Yeah, I'd suggest that you stop trying to lose weight and start focusing on mastering your weight. The difference being that when people want to lose weight, they just want to get to their goal weight. When people want to master their weight, they want to get to their goal weight and they want to live at their goal weight for the rest of their lives on near autopilot. <clears throat> two completely different goals. And so, um, I don't know, Sadia, Sadia, um, again, shift your goal. Stop focusing on weight loss. Weight loss, the goal is, is the finish lines to get to the goal weight. With weight mastery, the finish line is to live our whole lives, the rest of our lives, at our goal weight on near autopilot. They're two totally different goals, which cause us to use totally different strategies. And so the strategies to lose weight quickly are completely different than the strategies to live at your goal weight for the rest of your life on your autopilot. So that's what I would suggest to you. At the very least, please do something different than what you've done. Um, folks, if you've lost 20 pounds, you know, if you've been losing weight for 20 years and then putting it back on, my biggest suggestion is to do something different. And the biggest difference I could suggest to you right off the bat is stop focusing on the weight loss and start focusing on weight mastery. Um, this might be unhealthy, but when I have sugar cravings, I've been chewing it, but spitting it out. Um, I don't, I think it's less, it's probably less healthy than um, eating whatever it is you're eating. So I, I wouldn't say it's unhealthy. I'd say it's, it's, maybe it's unsustainable. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like with program yourself, then we follow the 1% better philosophy. So dieters follow the 100% better philosophy. It's a good one. Actually, I'm going to make a video on that. Hold on one second. Let me just write this down. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, dieters follow the 100% philosophy, right? What's that? Um, today's Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. I'm going to start my plan, and I'm going to be 100 percent be perfect. I'm going to no carbs, no sugar, 1,200 calories. I'm not going to eat for 16 hours. Whatever, whatever your you know concept of perfection is, when you diet, you start the first day being perfect. And it lasts for a couple of days, and then you go back to doing nothing. It's the all or nothing strategy, right? And so in Program Yourself, then we follow the all or something strategy, and it's really built around the 1% better every day. Um, another way to put it is we, we value in the program consistency over intensity. Great, you went to the gym every day for an hour for a week, and then never went again. Not impressed. Um, great, you lost 30 pounds in two months, and then put it all back on. 
Again, I'm not, that, that's not my goal. My goal isn't fast weight loss. It's, it's forever weight loss, you know? So um, the reason I say that, Yasmin, is that, I don't know, it's, it's different. Spit it out, chew it, spit it out. You didn't, you didn't consume as many calories. I, I, it's better. That's what I'd say, you know? <laughs> we just optimize towards better. And I find that to be one of the most beautiful approaches there is, you know, it is better because it was, I was saying this to someone, I don't know if Paul is still here, but we were talking about like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the great. You know, some people are so oriented towards being perfect that they don't appreciate the progress they've made, you know? So that's one of another quote is progress over perfection. But so Yasmin, so I'd say that that's a good one. All right, got to get out of here. So uh, it's been a pleasure. I uh, appreciate all your comments. Thank you so much. If you have not yet, please go to the bio, get the hypnosis session I give you. It's completely free. It's called the New Thin Me. Um, it will. It's a kickstart session to help you clarify and connect to your goal weight and um, get it going, get it going in, in a brand new way, right? So again, you got nothing to lose. It's 10 minutes and see what it does for you. You know, you're welcome, Erica. Uh, if, uh, and then I give you a training, three steps to master your weight. I email you every day encouraging supportive stuff i'm here to help you folks okay um and then on top of that is the podcast program yourself thin is the podcast it's on all the podcast platforms go check it out you know whatever you're doing stuff you're a podcast person just put it on in the background you know the more you hear the things i'm saying you will you will naturally lose weight you know and then if you're super motivated and really excited about it you, you check out my program and come work with me and uh, then we'll, we'll really kick it into another gear. But thank you so much, everyone. Have a super duper weekend. Thank you. I, I will have a great weekend. You too. Have a super weekend, and we'll talk soon. Bye.